This episode is brought to you by JScreen. Help prevent cancer and genetic diseases in your family. JScreen now offers CancerGen, a state-of-the-art test that analyzes the BRCA genes and over 60 other cancer susceptibility genes. This test can be life-saving. And JScreen's ReproGen test screens for over 200 genetic diseases such as Tay-Sachs and cystic fibrosis. Genetic testing for reproductive risk can save your baby's life. Both tests are done confidentially from the comfort of your home on saliva and telehealth genetic counseling is included. Visit jscreen.org to request your screening kit and claim $50 off either of these tests, Reprogen or CancerGen, with the code JLP50 at checkout at jscreen.org. Offer expires 12 2021 and applies to those residing in the U.S. This episode is brought to you by Meet to Marry. If you're sick of attracting the wrong people, wasting time on dead-end relationships, and wondering how other areas of your life can be so great while your dating life is so, well, uh, disappointing, then it's time to try a radically new approach to call in the loving, lasting, healthy relationship of your dreams. Start doing that today by signing up for the free masterclass, the five powerful shifts to quit attracting the wrong men and finally summon your soulmate at meettomary.com forward slash Jewish love masterclass. That's meettomary.com forward slash Jewish love masterclass. Jewish Money Matters episode 208 sponsor highlight with ST Rose, genetic counselor and outreach coordinator at JScreen. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. Welcome to the show. I'm Yael Trush, your host. I am back after a week off recovering from my trip to Miami and my daughter's bat mitzvah, both of which were absolutely wonderful. And you probably saw that in my social media or in my newsletter. Are you following me in those places? You should. At the very least, you should be receiving my emails or you should be part of my private Facebook group, Jewish Money Matters. You can sign up to receive my weekly emails at jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash newsletter. And if you're not part of the Jewish Money Matters Facebook group, then just easy as pie, search for it on Facebook and request access. That's it. And of course, you know, I'm on Instagram. I hang out there a lot at Jewish Latin Princess. So let's talk about today's episode, a special highlight on one of our show's sponsors, JScreen. As you know, JScreen um, has been a sponsor of the show for a while. And it's a what do they do? JScreen is a genetic screening and education program offering comprehensive at home testing on saliva. What does that really mean? And why is it important? Today, I have the pleasure of bringing you an important member of JScreen's team, ST Rose, genetic counselor and outreach coordinator at JScreen, to share with us the ins and outs of the different tests that JScreen offers, who should consider them, why, and perhaps more importantly, what are our options in the event of receiving news of a genetic disorder or of a genetic mutation? How does J-Screen testing compare with other tests that you and I might be more familiar with? And what are the financial implications of testing and of the options available? What are some of the experiences that Esty has had as a genetic counselor that motivate her and inspire her to continue doing this work? Here's the lovely Esty Rose. 
Rose. Thank you for coming on the show to talk today about an important topic. I think it's a sensitive topic too, genetic testing, especially reproductive screening and cancer gene screening. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me today. This is, you are, I want to just brag a little bit about you. You're a certified genetic counselor and an outreach coordinator at JScreen, who is a sponsor of the show. And we want to make sure that everyone is well aware of what JScreen does and how this service can really impact really their lives can really benefit them. So tell us, let's get started with a little bit of what is JScreen? What is it that you guys are doing? And then we'll dive into specifically your role with JScreen. Yeah, so JScreen is a non-for-profit organization. We're based out of Emory University in Atlanta, but we're a national program, so we can service the entire United States. So what Mm -hmm. we do is we do genetic testing for different types of genes and different types of times of life. Um, And we do everything through a saliva kit. So everything is done at home. You don't need to go to the doctor's office to get your blood drawn. You don't need to take off a day of work or, you know, a day of school. Um, Everything is done from the comfort of your home. Um, And in addition to doing the testing, we also do education. So like today, you know, going out to different communities, whether they're online communities or live communities, hopefully very soon. Um, And we just teach people about the importance of testing. Um, We tell people who should get tested, what they should get tested for, just to maintain the health of our community. Um, Amazing. And what where did this partnership with Emory University come from? Yeah, so the people who actually inspired um, the beginning of JScreen are from the Atlanta community. Um, There's a family down there. Uh, I'm in New York, so I'm calling it down there, down south. Um, Their names are uh, Randy and Caroline Gold, and they have a daughter. Her name is Eden. Um, And a couple months after Eden was born, they started to realize that she wasn't meeting the developmental milestones that were pretty typical of, you know, a child that age. Eventually, um, Eden got diagnosed with a condition called mucolipidosis type 4. We call it ML4. Um, And this is one of the, you know, what we call Jewish genetic diseases. It's more commonly found in people who have um, Ashkenazi Jewish ancestry. Um, Eden is doing, you know, okay now. But when it happened, when they got the diagnosis a couple of years ago, about 10 12 years ago, um, they decided that, you know, they went through a very hard time themselves, but they don't want anybody else in the community to go through the same thing as them. Because had they gotten tested appropriately, this would have been picked up before Eden was born. So they kind of inspired the beginning of JScreen. So we started out in the Atlanta area where they're from, kind of was like a grassroots kind of, um, you know, nice new program that was just in the area. But then um, they became affiliated with Emory. And now we're a much bigger national program. And we service, um, like I said before, the entire United States. Um, And we have screened thousands and thousands of thousands of people um, since we started officially eight years ago. Wow. And so how did you come into this field? And what is it that you're doing with JScreen on a day to day basis? So I'm a genetic counselor. So that means that I have a master's in genetic counseling. Um, It's a two-year program that I completed after I finished my years at Stern College. Um, And a genetic counselor is basically somebody who talks to people about why we think there could be something genetic going on either in themselves or a family member of them, why we suspect that there could be something genetic going on. And then we talk to them about different options that exist for testing that person. Mm -hmm. And then when the results are in, we educate them about what the results mean, what kind of implication it would have on them or their family and or their family members, and what they can do about it, what steps they can take to either 
treat something early or prevent it from happening in the first place. Um, and I found this field to be really, really interesting when I was in Stern. Um, when I was there, um, I was part of an organization called the Medical Ethics Society, which mm. had started when I was there. And we were trying to think of, you know, interesting programming and things to do for the school. And we decided to bring in genetic testing because so many of the students were kind of in that, you know, matchmaking realm, dating, thinking about marriage. Um, and we thought it would be a good idea. And when we, I was doing research about this, I kind of stumbled upon the field of genetic counseling. And I thought, this is really cool. Like, this is exactly what I want to do. It combines my interest in science and technology with counseling and talking to people and wow. dealing with people who are usually, or sometimes, you know, going through a crisis or a really hard time. Um, so I think it's a really great career. Um, I encourage anybody who's thinking about going into it to look more into it. And of course, they can contact me if they are interested. Um, but I think it's a really interesting and niche kind of field. Um, and I'm really lucky that I get to use my training and my expertise in this um, to help my own community, which is, you know, a really cool and lucky thing that I, I get to combine, you know, my passion for science with helping my community. Absolutely, absolutely. So before we get into the two major types of, of, of screening that JScreen is offering the community, let's Let's address, because you kind of mentioned it twice already, who should be getting tested? Like, Essie, is this something that we should all be doing? And if so, is this something that is meant for us to be doing before we get married? And the answer might be different for for genetic, I mean, for cancer screening and, and reproductive screening. So maybe we should address that first. But let's let's start diving. Yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head right there. I was going to say that it really depends on which type of screening we're talking about. So mm-hmm. I, I guess we should start by introducing the two types of tests that we do at JScreen, and then we can kind of, you know, talk yes. about each one separately. So the test that we originally did when we started JScreen eight years ago um, is called the ReproGen test. Mm-hmm. So the ReproGen test is designed for people who are thinking about having a child, and they want to determine whether or not they're a carrier for any of the 200 plus diseases that we're testing for. Um, Most people don't know that they're carriers for these conditions because they don't have any symptoms of the conditions that they carry. So we're Mm -hmm. all walking around carriers for a bunch of things and we just don't know. But if the husband and the wife are both carriers for the same condition, they would be at risk to actually have a child with that condition. It's what we call a carrier couple. So anytime somebody's planning for a pregnancy, by the way, even if they already have a child or two, it doesn't make a difference. Anytime somebody is planning for a pregnancy, we always recommend that they do carrier screening, such as the ReproGen test, to determine what their carrier status is. And if we see that we have a carrier couple where both the man and the woman carry the same condition, we're going to counsel them about what this means for their kids and what they can do to prevent passing it down to their kids. So that's okay. a virgin test. Okay, but let me just stop you right there. So you yes. said anytime we're thinking about having a child, but so does that mean that also people who are just starting to date and are thinking of getting serious in a relationship should be doing it in the way that we all did Tay-Sachs, what is it called? Doria Sharim, right? Is this the same type of thing? It is the same type of thing, but, you know, every couple is different and everybody's coming from a different part of the community and they see dating, you know, in a different way. So in some communities, people are going to go on one or two dates and then get engaged. In other parts of our community, you know, people will date for a couple months or a couple of years before they decide to get married and they're getting married no matter what. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they'll deal with it later. Um, So I would say that my overall answer is that the best time to get tested is before a pregnancy. 
It's a very mm-hmm. broad answer. I know that. But the word before for some people means before an engagement. For some people, it means even once you're engaged or married, but then you're going to finally think about having kids. It doesn't make a difference to me when you do it, as long as it's before pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I'm, you know, keep saying before pregnancy is because if you do find out that you're a carrier couple, which by the way, doesn't happen that often, but if you do find out you're a carrier couple, you're going to have more options available to you if you're not already pregnant. Uh, Once a couple already is pregnant, then some of those options are no longer options. mm -hmm. So therefore, anytime we have a carrier couple doesn't make a difference where they are in their relationship. The options are always the same until there's a pregnancy, in which case some of those options, it's too late to do those. Mm -hmm. So I would say, you know, depending on who you are and what kind of dating life you have, um, if this is a make it or break it thing for you, then I would say take care of this earlier. But if you don't think that this would be a make it or break it kind of thing, then any time before uh, you're ready to have your first child would be a good mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm. Or at the very least, start having those conversations with your fiance, your yeah. husband, you know. <laughs> yeah, that 100%. Yeah. Another thing I was just thinking of adding is that it doesn't make a difference what your background is. So, uh, you know, you mentioned Dory Sharon before. A lot of people are aware that, you know, genetic testing before having children is a thing that you're supposed to do. But a lot of people, unfortunately, are a little bit confused about who should be doing this test. Some people believe that only people who have Ashkenazi or Eastern European ancestry should be doing the test, but that's actually not true. Um, People who also have Sephardi background, a Mizrahi background, or mixed background, or even non-Jewish background, right? We know a lot of people who are Jewish, you might have converts in the family. It doesn't make a difference what your ethnic background is. Anybody planning for a pregnancy should be doing the test. So it's Mm -hmm. not only an Ashkenazi problem, anybody should do the test. Yes, we're going to see more positives in the Ashkenazi population, but it doesn't mean that these conditions are exclusive to that population. So really anybody who's thinking about having a pregnancy should get tested. Okay. So now what is cancer, Jen? So Cancer Gen is like a totally different branch of what we're doing at JScreen. Um, the Cancer Gen um, history is not as long as our ReproGen history. We only launched this test this past January of 2021. Um, the reason it took us so long to, to launch this test is because for many, many years, um, when we were you know, thinking about the identity of JScreen and who we are and what we did, we were thinking we are a reproductive carrier screening program. That's what we do. You know, we help prevent devastating things, you know, from happening to families. That's what we do. But we also noticed that when we went out to speak at, you know, different schools or synagogues or JCCs or whatever it was, we always got that one person raising their hand saying, what about BRCA testing? I know that BRCA or BRCA is more common in people who have Jewish background. And we'd always say like, yeah, but that's not what we do. You know, go see a local genetic counselor. They'll deal with it. Or ask your doctor. They'll deal with it. It's not what we do. And for many years, we were like really stuck on this. And we kept saying, that's not us. Go somewhere else. But, you know, they're right, you know, and people who have um, people who have Ashkenazi background have a much higher chance of having a mutation in a BRCA gene. So BRCA um, is a gene that if somebody has a mutation in that, they have a greatly increased chance of developing certain cancers, specifically female breast cancer and ovarian cancer and also pancreatic cancer. Males, by the way, can also have a mutation. And if they do, they have a slightly increased chance for male breast cancer. That's really a thing. They could get Mm -hmm. breast cancer, um, as well as pancreatic cancer and prostate cancer. 
Studies have shown that people who have Ashkenazi background have a 10 times risk of the general population. So about one in 40 people who are Ashkenazi have a mutation in a BRCA gene, and therefore they're at greatly increased risk to develop these cancers. The good thing about knowing whether or not you're a carrier for a BRCA mutation is that if you know in advance, you can take measures to either prevent it from happening in the first place or to find it at an early and more treatable stage. Mm -hmm. So it's a good idea for some people, we'll talk about who, to get tested for the BRCA gene because once you have this information, you can use it to help yourself and also to help your family members who also might be at risk to have the mutation. So yes, these people who are raising their hands were right, right? They should, we should be testing for it, but we just weren't ready for it. And we finally were ready this past January. And that's when we launched our cancer gen test. So our camp. Yeah, our cancer gen test um, includes BRCA testing, obviously. But in addition to that, we're testing for 60 more cancer genes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so it's not a big that. differentiator. Yes, it's huge. So now we're testing for BRCA plus many other genes that kind of work the same way, where if you have a mutation in any of those genes, you yourself, not your kids necessarily, but you yourself are at increased risk for certain cancers. Depending on which gene it is, it's a different cancer. So there's some colon cancer genes, some uterine cancer genes, uh, more prostate cancer genes, et cetera. It's apples and oranges Mm -hmm. with the ReproGen test. We're talking about personal health and you yourself and your risk for cancer. We're not talking about, are you a carrier for Tay-Sachs that you might potentially pass on to your kids? Reproductive genetic testing before marriage has been a widely accepted practice in our community for decades. And because of this, fewer babies have been born with genetic diseases. The process really works. I've done it, and so will my children one day, please God. But with the advances in modern technology, there is even more we could be doing, and JScreen is here to help. JScreen provides affordable at-home testing and genetic counseling via telehealth. Their testing panel consists of over 200 conditions and was carefully designed with the health of the Jewish community in mind. And did you know that Ashkenazi Jewish men and women face a 1 in 40 risk of carrying mutations in the BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes? This is more than 10 times the risk in the general population. When a person knows they carry one of these mutations before they develop cancer, they can take advantage of available options for medical management and cancer risk reduction. This test saves lives. Whether kids are in your future or you want to know your risk of cancer, take control. Genetic testing saves lives. Go to jscreen.org today and claim $50 off testing with the code JLP50. That's jscreen.org code JLP50. Hey, are you sick and tired of attracting the wrong people, wasting time on dead-end relationships, and wondering how come other areas of your life can be so great while your dating life is so disappointing? Is this the year that you want all that to change? It's time to try a radically new approach. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is a definition of insanity, period. Sign up for the free masterclass, the five powerful shifts to quit attracting the wrong men, and finally summon your soulmate at meettomarry.com forward slash Jewish love 
Love Masterclass. There you'll learn from Barry Lyman, founder of the Meet to Marry Method, endorsed by author and educator Steve Covey as smart, principled, and engaging. Ready for change? Ready to finally find your soulmate? You know you are. Sign up for the free masterclass at meettomarry.com forward slash Jewish Love Masterclass. So we talked about who you think should be doing reproductive screening, and you were very adamant, anybody before pregnancy, please, before pregnancy, anybody thinking of getting pregnant, do it. Okay. And that involves both, right? Because we want to both know if both are carriers. Now, who is, in your estimation, who should be doing cancer screening? So the, the classic or traditional way of doing genetic testing for cancer genes was only to test people that were at higher than normal risk. So let's say someone themselves had some of these cancers or they have a very strong family history. You know, every woman in the family had either breast or ovarian cancer. Those are the people that we used to think you guys need to get tested because there really could be something going on in this family. Nowadays, things have changed a little bit and also insurance models have changed a little bit and they got a little bit more liberal with who they're going to allow to get tested and cover their testing. And nowadays, it's gotten also um, cheaper and the technology is a little bit easier. So I'm supportive of really anybody getting tested, not anybody on the planet, but people who really want to know this information and who are going to use it to their benefit. For some people, it's a burden, right? Not everybody wants to know that they have this higher chance to get cancer. They might not be able to handle that, you know, that information. But if somebody is ready to hear that information, I think that they should definitely go for it and get tested because there's something they can do about it in many cases. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that very young people should be doing the test. Um, I think that is an emotional burden um, for many people in their early 20s, for example, even if they know that they're positive for, let's say, BRCA, for example, there's no um, recommendations for medical guidelines, like medical management for them anyway. So the guidelines start at age 25. So let's say a, a female test positive at 25, we'll tell her to start going for early mammograms. But until age 25, there's nothing to do. So personally, mm. like, I don't know if I'd want to have that information as a 21 year old, you know, kind of thinking about navigating the dating world. It's it's a lot of information. So I don't think that people who are so young necessarily should be doing the testing, but you know, as long as they're counseled properly beforehand about the, you know, implications of finding out that they're positive and they're still interested in doing it, I'll, I'll allow somebody to do it under age 25. Right. And that brings us back to that first thing that you mentioned about the education component, which is such a distinguishing factor of J-Screen. Um, it's so different and in both cases, whether it be reproductive screening or cancer gene um, screening, right, to have that counseling available, that's not necessarily what one would get if I'm correct. If you just go to your doctor and say, I would like to get tested for this, you know, panel of genes. Exactly. The genetic counseling component of our program is huge because every single person who comes in for testing, whether they're there for our reprogen test or our cancer gen test is going to go through a genetic counselor. So we have a staff of genetic counselors. I'm only one of them. And we review every single case and make sure that this is the right test for that patient. Mm. If we have questions or concerns, we will reach out to them before we order any test and we 
will make sure that this is the information that they're seeking. Also, once the results are in, we will speak to them by phone or by Zoom about their results and what they mean. So every single person coming through JScreen is supervised or monitored by a genetic counselor the entire way through. Mm. Um, we also will send the results to their personal doctor at the end. Um, but this is something very, you know, like you said, very unique about our program is that we hold people's hands the entire way. Um, and we're there for them, you know, from the beginning to the end. And even months or years later, you know, I'm always having people recontact me um, because we, you know, are a pretty good resource for people who are going through a genetic health issue. You, you mentioned something interesting. You said the right test, whether this is the right test. So what would that look like for you to get an application and you're looking at it and you're thinking, this is not really what I would recommend. I would rather this person go this other route. What, what does that look like? So one example would be a 21 year old registering for the cancer gen test. Mm-hmm. Are you sure you want this information? Um, another example on the, the other extreme is a 55 year old registering for the reprogen test. Like, why are you interested in this if you're not thinking about having kids anymore? You know, assuming that they're not thinking right. about having kids anymore. Sometimes they say, oh, I've been having symptoms of something. I want to see if I have this Jewish genetic disease. That's not what we're doing. You know, like that's not, we're not yeah. here to make any diagnoses. That's when we say, this is not the test for you. You need to go to a doctor who should examine you and, you know, figure it out. Um, so pretty, you know, every now and then we'll kind of end up canceling tests because we realize together with the patient that maybe this is not the right test for them. We have a lot of information on our website, but sometimes people don't realize exactly what we're doing. So that's why we like to do that check-in on, you know, these kind of cases where it's not the typical patient registering. Um, and we just want to make sure that they understand what they're getting themselves into with this test. So every now and then we end up canceling. Yeah. Um, if it's not the right test for that person. And so let's talk about the cost, because I think this is an important component of making this decision. And it's something that I think JScreen has done a fabulous, uh, uh, fabulous work of, you know, helping people in this area, because this could get costly. Not everything maybe is covered by insurance. Walk us through that. So the JScreen program, um, I think is a pretty affordable program. Um, we give highly subsidized testing and counseling. So for somebody who wants to do our reprogen only test, um, that would be $149. Mm-hmm. If they want to do the cancer gen test, it's $199. Mm-hmm. And if they want to do both at the same time, we discount that to like a combo kind of uh, rate to $299. Mm-hmm. All of these rates that I just mentioned are for people who give us their insurance information. So the way that we work is also kind of unique where we just have this one set program fee. So people pay upfront, whatever those amounts are, whatever they decide to do. And when we collect their insurance information, we submit it for them. And whatever the insurance pays, great. Whatever they don't pay, Pay, we will cover the rest. Wow. So people only pay that upfront fee of whatever number you know I mentioned before, and that's it. They never get asked for any more money. That is the end. So people like knowing, you know, before they go into a test, what it's going to cost, and we're able to provide that. So we're not asking for pre-authorizations. We're not asking them to call their insurance companies. We're saying this is the set fee take it or leave it. And Mm -hmm. we find that people really like that model because they like to be, you know, in the know when they're getting a test done and they don't like to get slammed by bills that they didn't expect to get, you know, after the fact, once they've Mm -hmm. already got the test done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely simplifies it. And it's definitely, it it definitely is accessible, which is, which is great. Now let's talk about the what now, right? Let's say, and it, and I know it's going to be different for, like we said, for cancer um, gene testing and for reproductive. But let's, let's start with reproductive, right? Let's say a couple does find out that they are both carriers of some, you know, genetic disease. 
So there are options. What are there, the options? Like, what is the type of conversation that now we are having? What is it that we're looking at? Yeah. So that's where the genetic counseling plays a really big role in all of this. So the genetic counselor will speak to them about what the condition is. Some conditions are more severe than others. So before Mm -hmm. we talk to them about the options, we need to tell them like what, what's going on here. Like specifically for this couple, what does this condition look like in a child? Once we discuss what the condition is, we give them different options. So one option might be let it be and take the risk with every pregnancy. And for certain diseases, that might be a really good option for people, you know, depending on how they perceive the severity of the condition. Mm. Um, Other couples might decide to get pregnant naturally and test a baby or a fetus during a pregnancy for that condition, um, which they could do. Um, It's called prenatal diagnosis, um, where the doctor takes the needle, puts it through the woman's belly and takes out a little bit of fetal material. Sometimes. Sometimes they take a little bit of placenta, that's with a test called a CVS, or they can take out a little bit of amniotic fluid with a test called an amniocentesis. With mm-hmm. either test, it will diagnose whether or not the baby has that condition. If they see that the baby does not have that condition, that's great. They don't have to think about it for the remainder of that child's life. But if they see that the baby is affected with the condition, then that couple will have two options, either continue the pregnancy or not continue the pregnancy. And that, you know, has a lot of, you know, different halakhic aspects to it. And there are many times that a rabbi will allow for it, um, but they will be given the option pretty early Mm -hmm. on in the pregnancy to continue or to terminate that pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, Another category of options that we give our carrier couples is to try to figure it out before the pregnancy. So this is why I kept stressing before that it's better to know before pregnancy, because if you're not already pregnant, you will have other options. So, you know, some couples might decide not to have children at all. Some might decide to not have biological children and adopt. Um, Some couples will decide to use an egg donor or a sperm donor who's not a carrier, obviously, of that condition in question. Um, But probably the most common option that we'll see um, is when a couple decides to do um, a procedure called IVF, which is short for in vitro fertilization, where the man gives a sperm sample, the female gives um, an egg sample, and they put it together in the lab, and they create an embryo in the lab. Mm You might have heard of IVF before, usually in the realm of, you know, people having trouble conceiving, but it's the same exact thing where they make an embryo inside the lab. In a normal IVF cycle, they'll take that embryo after a couple of days and they'll implant it into the woman's uterus and hopefully it will lead to a normal successful pregnancy. Mm-hmm. What I'm suggesting here is that they go through the exact same process of IVF where they create that embryo, but they add in one step along the way towards the very end of the process. And that step is called pre-implantation genetic testing or PGT. Mm-hmm. With PGT, they are able, this is like the coolest thing ever. They're able to take out a couple of cells of that embryo and they can do genetic testing on those cells. So basically they can tell you whether or not that embryo is affected with the condition or not. If they see that embryo, it's like so amazing that this technology is available to us. If they see that the embryo is not affected, then they'll continue. They'll take that embryo, they'll implant it into the uterus, and hopefully it will, you know, take and be a successful pregnancy. It will be a baby, an an adult and child who does not Mm -hmm. have that condition. But if they see that the embryo is affected with said condition, they'll discard it in the lab. It will never become a baby. Wow. It's it's amazing. So it's basically a way of avoiding getting pregnant at all with a baby that is going to have the condition or it's, you know, also a way to avoid maybe having that conversation about terminating. Like there's so many things that you're um, 
you know, you're going around by doing IVF. Um, I should note that going through IVF is a big deal. I'm, I'm making it sound like it's all rainbows and unicorns. It's not. It's, it's a very big deal for a couple to go through IVF. Um, not just emotionally, but financially, yes, also, yes. right? Financially, emotionally, physically, it's a big deal. And, you know, if a couple decides to do this, that means they have to be on birth control because they don't want to get pregnant any other way. So it's, it's definitely a big deal. But at the same time, it's an unbelievable option for people who have a high risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's great. So what I was saying before is you don't have that option if you're already pregnant. So that's why I always say, you know, it's best to get tested before pregnancy because you're going to have more options available to you. Um, and I so- and I think here also we we could have the caveat that everybody probably needs to be consulting this with their uh, halachic authority, right? There might be things here that obviously you and I are not going to, um, you know, declare on, but there might be things that you need to be discussing with your Rav uh, along the way. I have no idea, but I'm sure Definitely. there are. I'm part of the conversation many times. So like we always encourage people to bring a third party in when there is a question, because, you know, I think it's better for me to explain it to the Rav than for it to be a game of broken telephone where I'm explaining it to the patient, the patient's explaining it to the Rav, and then the Rav is basing it on that. That's very smart. Them, yeah. I think it's better for them to talk to me where I can lay it all out for them. And then they can help the couple make that decision. That's not my realm. I'm not helping them make the decision. I'm there to educate them and let them know exactly what the deal is. And then I hand it over to the rabbi and let him make the decision. But very often I'll speak to rabbis about, you know, what's going on and I'll educate them so that they can help them through the, you know, halachic aspects of all of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're the, you're the science behind it. <laughs> and so now back to cancer gene screening, kind of the same idea, right? Let's say somebody does the testing and they found that they have one of the mutations of one of the genes or so on and so forth. So now they can take measures for themselves. Um, if they have children, that also might mean that they will consider letting their children know at some point in young adulthood that they could, they should get testing. So what does that look like? What does a person do now with this information? Yeah, that's a really good question. So let, let's use BRCA as an example, because mm-hmm. it's the easy one the to common think of one, as an yeah. example. Exactly. So let's say we have a woman who's in her 60s, who finds out that she has a BRCA or a BRCA mutation. So we know, as I mentioned before, that she has this increased risk for breast cancer and ovarian cancer. So she will have a couple of options. So one option, let's talk about breast cancer first, um, would be to do increased screening for breast cancer. So instead of doing a mammogram once a year, her doctor might recommend that she does a mammogram every January and a breast MRI every June or whatever it is, depending mm-hmm. on the person, but they'll have more frequent screenings and therefore if something's going to happen, they're going to catch it at an earlier stage. Instead of having it once a year, they're going to have it twice a year. Um, For somebody who's younger than 60, they might start this whole protocol a lot younger, right? So typically a woman doesn't go for a mammogram when they're 35. But if we have a 35-year-old who knows that she has a BRCA mutation, she's going to start that. And she's going to start earlier, again, with the same goal of catching it at an early and treatable stage. Mm -hmm. Um, Some women um, still don't love that idea and they're still nervous about their risk. And they might decide to go for a risk-reducing mistake risk reducing mastectomy, um, where they remove the breast tissue so that they reduce the chances of getting breast cancer at all. So that would be the two basic options that we would give to women who test positive for BRCA when it comes to breast cancer. 
When it comes to ovarian cancer, unfortunately, there is no good screening. So there's no good like mammogram or a colonoscopy when it comes to uh, ovarian cancer. And therefore, most cases of ovarian cancer are found at a later stage, at an untreatable stage. So we don't really offer them a lot of screening options. There are one or two that we do mention, like getting an ultrasound. There's also a blood test, but they're not very good tests, to be honest. And therefore, we actually make the recommendation that all women who are positive um, undergo a risk-reducing surgery called a BSO, which is short for a bilateral salpingo-oophorectomy, which basically Mm -hmm. means that the doctor removes their fallopian tubes and their ovaries. By doing the surgery, they are reducing their chances of getting ovarian cancer and, by the way, also breast cancer. Um, This is not a good procedure for somebody who's 30 years old, obviously. Once you remove your ovaries, you can't have children anymore. So it's recommended that anybody who tests positive do this by the time they're 40 or by the time they're done having their kids. Mm -hmm. Um, It it puts you into menopause, basically, having this procedure. Um, But because of the fact that ovarian cancer is very, very hard to detect, the doctors believe that it's better to remove the ovaries than have to deal with that risk and, you know, having something happen before it's too late. So Mm -hmm. the point is that if you know that you're positive, there's something you can do about it in many cases. Um, You could even do IVF with PGT for BRCA or any of these other genes if you're interested. If you want to make sure that you don't pass down your mutation to your kids, if you're still in that realm of having kids, you can you can do that test on them as well. Um, And you also mentioned, you know, telling your kids, that's really important. These things run in families, um, not just your kids, but your siblings, your parents, your cousins, right? These things run in families. If somebody has any of these mutations, um, each of their first degree relatives, so that means their parents, their children, and their siblings has a 50% chance to be positive as well. So in addition to helping yourself and figuring out a plan with your doctor for dealing with this risk, you can also tell your siblings and your other family members about it so that in case they're positive, they can help themselves as well. So you're, you're not only helping yourself, you're helping your extended family by getting tested. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one of the things we didn't mention that really distinguishes J-screen testing is the amount of um, genes tested in, in your panel, right? Yeah, yeah. We have pretty comprehensive panels. So for both our ReproGen and our CancerGen test, um, they were not just, you know, we didn't just throw some names into a hat and decide which ones we're going to test for. Um, each panel was a carefully uh, curated panel of diseases that meet certain criteria. So we're testing for conditions that you can do um, any kind of genetic testing on in utero or before that, like by doing IVF, we will only test for things where that's going to be an option. Um, we're testing for actionable things, right? So we're testing for genes where if we find out that somebody's positive, we can talk to them about options that they have to do something about it. We yeah. never want to leave somebody off by saying, hey, you have this increased risk good luck with that because that's not going to go well. You know, it's better to be empowering to these people and to tell them you're positive for this. Now let's do something about it. Mm. So we're very, very careful. We're not just testing for anything. We're testing for things that there's something you can do about it. If you're positive. Mm. Do people who have um, lived this firsthand, having a child with, you know, one of these um, genetic diseases, right? And they didn't know that they were both carriers of gene and then this manifested in one of their children. Um, Do you find that they tend to be supportive of this or is this in some other way controversial? That's a really good question. Um, I think it really depends on what the condition is. So I think it's a little bit more controversial in the um, milder diseases 
arena. So let's say hearing loss, for example. So we test for a couple of hearing loss conditions, but there is a very big community, a deaf community, deaf with a capital D, where people don't believe that it's a disability to be deaf. So they don't necessarily support us testing for deafness genes. But when we're talking about the more, you know, severe conditions that could be fatal in infancy, like Tay-Sachs, for example, um, there is support. Um, There are a lot of support organizations that were founded by families that had children who were affected. So they don't like the Gold family who kind of, you know, inspired the beginning of J-Screen. They don't want other people to have to go through what they went through. So I see that there's a lot of support in that community, like in the more severe disease community and um, in the less severe condition community, um, it could be a little bit controversial controversial to some. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I believe that we all have a right to know and to make decisions for ourselves. So I think giving people as much information that's available is better because they can decide what's, you know, they can put it into their own perspective and they could decide for themselves whether this is severe enough for us to do something about it and take action, or if this is mild and it's okay and whatever it is, we'll deal with it later. Um, so I, I support giving people the most comprehensive test out there and then letting them use that information to make their own decisions. And in general, um, I think we should, we should mention that um, from a Jewish faith and Jewish observance standpoint, they're, they're really, I don't think at least today, maybe in the early stages of, you know, when Tay-Sex screening was started, there was a lot of resistance, but I don't, I think today it's pretty mainstream um, the support of the screening itself. Now, like we mentioned before, what, what happens after that, 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 that may be really nuanced in terms of Jewish law, but I don't think there is a side here, or maybe you're more aware that, you know, takes a hard stand against screening. Is there one? Not that I know of that, you know, these days, like every rabbi supports getting tested. Um, like if you go onto, you know, different websites, you'll see like letters, you know, with the signatures of the rabbis saying, you know, we support this and we believe that everybody should get tested. Um, I think where the controversy is maybe it has to do with like how much testing to do and when to do it. Um, but not, the concept of doing it at all. So, you know, some people might believe once you're already married, you shouldn't be updating testing between pregnancies. Some people might believe that some people might believe you shouldn't be testing for the milder conditions. Um, But across the board, I think everybody believes that at least baseline basic testing like Tay-Sachs should be done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Esty, tell us a little bit about what goes on in your day behind the scenes in terms of perhaps some of the stories that you know, your experiences as a genetic counselor that that have moved you that have kind of like proven to you that this is important. This is I want to wake up every day and do what I do. You know, what are some of those experiences? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, I recently had a patient um, who came in for her cancer gen test. And she was positive for something. I don't remember what the gene was, but I had counseled her about it. And she said to me, you know, you don't remember me, but I was your patient four years ago um, when I did my repro gen test. And when she did that, she and her husband were a carrier couple for a very severe condition. Um, it's not so common, but it's a very severe condition. Um, and since then, they had one baby through IVF um, who's healthy and who does not have that condition. Um mm-hmm. Thank God. Yeah. And she was crying when, when I gave her the results because she said like, because of the testing that we did with JScreen and the guidance that we got, you know, we were able to avoid something devastating from happening to our 
to our kids and to our family. So that was like really, really moving. Um, and now that she's also positive for this cancer gene, like that's just bad luck for her. It doesn't happen that often that that, that mm-hmm. happens. Um, but now that she tested positive for this, you know, I got her doctor involved and we're talking about increased screening and what she can do about it. Um, and she just kept saying, like, I'm just so grateful. Like you would think wow. that giving somebody a positive result would be like, don't shoot the messenger, you know, like you would think they'd be angry or upset or, you know, and obviously it's a very big deal to have a situation where you have a carrier couple or a positive cancer result. But overall, in the end of the day, I find that people appreciate knowing because it's there whether they knew it or not, right? So they believe that it's better to have known and done something about it than to not have known and missed the boat. So I I really like days like that make me feel like, okay, this is worth it, even though it's really hard to make that phone call, you know, that carrier couple phone call or that you're positive for BRCA phone call. It's really, really hard, even though I've been doing this for many, many years, it still kills me every time I have to do it. Mm. But I have never, ever had a patient with a, with a, let's call it a bad result, get angry. They're always grateful, even though it's going to be a tough road ahead. They're always grateful and happy that they did it because now they can take action and do something about it. Um, I know it's so cliche to say it, but it's so true that knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. And I see it with my patients. I see it with myself, you know, like being proactive about things is always better than being reactive about things. Um, And I see it on a daily basis. So it makes those hard phone calls worth it when, when they cry and say, I have a healthy baby girl now. And they send me a picture of her, you know, it's just, yeah. Wow. Wow. Very, very special. Thank you, Esty, for everything that you're doing. Thank you to J screen for everything that you're doing for the community. And we should clarify that this is not exclusive to our Jewish community, right? This is a service open to anybody, anybody in the United States who's thinking about having a child or who wants to know about their cancer risk could come through J screen. Amazing. And we can find out more at J screen.org and listeners, as I've told you before, you can get $50 off your J-Screen test, either one, ReproGen or CancerGen, using their special code JLP at checkout. Esty, thank you so much. Much continued success doing what you do. And hopefully we won't need this anymore because really, given what you guys are doing, this could reduce the continuation of some of these genetic diseases. We could eradicate a lot of this. It's important work. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me and for helping me spread the word. And if anybody wants to contact me, they're welcome to reach out to you and you you please give them my information. I'm happy to help anybody. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks to Esty Rose for all that valuable information. I found it super helpful and I hope you did too. Remember that you can request your screening kit and claim $50 off either of the tests that we spoke about today, ReproGen or CancerGen, using the code JLP50 at checkout at jscreen.org. That is JLP50. This offer expires December 31st, 2021 and applies to those residing in the U.S. And for all of you in the United States, I hope you have a nice holiday week. I know not everybody celebrates and we have a very international audience here, but you know, it's a big deal in America. My kids are off most of the week. We will be enjoying it together as a family. So stay tuned to my Instagram stories if you want to grab some glimpses of what we'll be up to. Probably not cooking turkey, but there'll be other stuff. Have a happy Thanksgiving and a wonderful week.